Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for tuning in today, for listening to the podcast, for sharing your time with me. I know how many things you could be doing, and it really does mean a lot that you have carved out this time for yourself to make your life better. I'm really glad that you're here. Every minute that we spend together, I am sincerely grateful because I know how many other things you could be doing with that time. And I know how valuable it is to invest time in yourself and how that has a ripple effect in every other area of your life. Here we are officially a week into November. So bananas. We are less than a handful of weeks from the end of the year. And I am like very many of you in that I will be traveling a bunch and, of course, doing the family holiday thing. In fact, when you guys listen to this, when this airs on Thursday, I am leaving early Friday morning for Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic for a little bit of a vacation. And then I've got another one coming up shortly after that with all of the holiday stuff mixed in between. Today, I want to talk about strategy and mindset related to holidays and vacation. And I want to tackle it both from the mindset perspective as well as from a very tactical, practical improvement standpoint. The problem tends to be that we use vacation or holidays or dinners out or weekends away as an opportunity or an excuse to go bananas. Eat what you want, as much as you want, deal with it later. Or even if we don't go totally overboard, we indulge enough to an, an, enough of an extent that it creates a problem because these things happen so often. Every week seems to bring a holiday or a weekend away or a party. There is always a special occasion. When you eat so differently on vacations or holidays or weekends or parties that it creates a huge dichotomy between the way you eat that drives results and the way you eat that impairs your progress there's always going to be a tension, a sense of two steps forward and two or three or four or five steps back. And then it feels like we're always trying, but it's never enough because there's just enough of an imbalance between when we're trying and when we're not. It's exhausting. It's not that the on days are a problem, the days where you feel like you're doing things right. It's that your approach is made up of extremes, on versus off, good versus bad, pursuit versus avoidance. And there are a ton of people, myself included, talking about holiday eating strategies, travel tips. I've done a number of episodes on these topics, but there tends to be a gap in many of the solutions. 
The solutions tend to fall into one of two camps. Number one is focus on what you do most of the time. Nobody's overweight because they overeat on Christmas or Thanksgiving. I would agree with that, but I don't think it really reflects the problem. Another strategy is just eat a little bit less. Have a little bit of everything, but don't overdo it. Which sounds great in theory, but can be much harder practically implemented or not implemented. I don't know about you, but I haven't found either one of those all that helpful because if you are somebody who tends to go hog wild on Christmas or Thanksgiving, chances are you also do on birthdays, dinner outs, weekends away, vacations, etc. And so when we look at the frequency of those things, they happen enough that they actually do impair progress because there is this mentality of on versus off. They're interesting theories, but they never changed my life. And I want to get back to the real mindset shift that has to happen. It's not so much about just the strategy of pick what's really worth it and eat that. That's certainly part of it, but it's not the primary issue. The primary issue isn't that there are so many foods that are amazing that you just can't stop yourself. The primary issue is this mindset of, well, I had a cookie, so screw it. I might as well just be super good tomorrow and get all of this out of my system today. That's the mindset that's really a problem because it creates a scenario where there is wild variability between how we eat when we are trying or on and how we eat when we give ourselves permission to take the day off. The very first thing I want to kick off with before we get tactical and talk about different types of solutions and different degrees of execution is the critical need for self-honesty. If you are somebody who says, oh, screw it, it's a party, it's vacation, I'll be better tomorrow or next week, I want you to ask yourself, does that work for you? Has it historically worked for you? Is it giving you the results that you want? Has it been a winning strategy for you? More than likely, there are a lot of, ah, screw it, I'll start tomorrow moments If any way of making decisions doesn't work for you, doesn't produce the results you want or make you feel your very best, you've got to stop doing it. You've got to stop choosing it. The challenge is that we don't question that line of thinking. That as soon as that thought pops into our head like, oh, well, the day is kind of blown. I'll start again tomorrow. We just go with it because in the moment it gives us permission to do that thing that we want to do. We don't stop, pause, wait long enough to consider Is this an effective strategy for me or am I just covering up the real facts, the real truth, the reality of the situation that this doesn't work with whatever it is I can say to myself that wins in that moment, that allows me to do what I want to do in that moment? If a way of making decisions isn't working for you, doesn't produce the results you want, doesn't make you feel amazing, stop using that line of thinking to justify your choices. Honesty is so important and often dismissed because we believe in that moment that, yes, tomorrow we will be better. Yes, when we get back from the holiday, we will be better. But we're avoiding the fact that that strategy has not worked and we cannot continue to choose losing strategies and expect a different result. It's no different than a coach who really loves this play. In theory, it's really great and they keep calling it and calling it and calling it even though it never works. Okay, maybe you believe that it could work. Maybe you believe in theory it's a great play, but what matters is, is it working for 
you. Do not just grab a hold of the first excuse you tend to go to and then make a choice based on your intentions. Decide to be brutally honest with yourself. Be brutally honest with yourself. One of my biggest cornerstones of change was the practice of telling myself, Elizabeth, that is not true for you and it does not work for you. In this moment, you're trying to make yourself feel better about a choice to let your ego off the hook. Oh, go for it because tomorrow it's on. You're going to get really serious. You're trying to make yourself feel better about a choice that you're not going to feel better about tomorrow. It hasn't worked for you. It doesn't work for you. It doesn't make you feel your best. I refuse to choose a losing strategy again. If I want to overeat, if I want to overindulge, I'll do it. But I'll be really honest with myself and take full ownership. And I won't say, it doesn't matter. I'll be better tomorrow. I'll say, it does matter. And the I'll be better tomorrow strategy is not a winning strategy for me. It's not a play I can call anymore because it doesn't work. Stop lying. Stop using convenient excuses that might be well-intended but are not effective for you. That is number one. The reason that this matters so much isn't because Christmas and Thanksgiving matter so much or whatever those major holidays are in your life, but it's because there's always a party, a dinner, an occasion, a birthday, a vacation, whatever. And the mindset you choose is the mindset you'll choose. We can't continue to choose paradigms, mindsets, perspectives, excuses that don't work for us. I'll give you an example. This past weekend was Ascend. And if I was in the pattern of dismissing choices on special occasions, there would have been the night before Ascend starts and the last night of Ascend and then the day after when I was celebrating my grandmother's birthday party and a couple days after that for my boyfriend's grandfather's memorial service and then Punta Cana after that and then dinner with my cousins and then it's another birthday and it's Thanksgiving. Come on. If we choose a losing strategy, we're going to lose. Don't choose the losing strategy and focus on that before you try to figure out what's a winning strategy. At a minimum, refuse to call the losing plays. Refuse to continue to choose the losing strategies. A lot of today's episode is going to be about the practical application of what we talked about in episode 409. If you have not yet listened to 409, that was the one about finding the intersection of pleasure and happiness. And it's not one or the other. It's not either we eat food for pleasure or we eat food for happiness long term. It's not that we can't have pleasure. It's about how do we find the intersection of everything, not just food, the intersection of pleasure and happiness. When we trip ourselves up on dinners out, weekends away, vacations, holidays, etc., it's usually because we're choosing momentary pleasure without considering long-term happiness, how we could have both, what it looks like. And on the other extreme, the reason that there's often this appeal to do just that, to go overboard, to overindulge, is because when we are pursuing our goals and when we think we are on or making great choices, it's because we're not giving any consideration to pleasure. And so we feel like this is our one chance to really eat the foods we love, when in reality, that should be something we're striving for every single day. Every single day, creating the intersection of pleasure and happiness in our choices 
so that there's never this sense of missing out now that the cookies are here, now that the cake is here, now that the alcohol is here, I have to go totally overboard. I promise that we will get very tactical here in a few minutes. But first, I want to share a little bit of my own personal perspective on holidays and parties and vacations. I used to hyper focus on the food. What food will be there? And I would always want to figure out how I could overindulge without anybody seeing me overindulge. Like when would be my opportunity to get a bunch of whatever it was that I wanted so that nobody would ever think that I was gorging myself, although without fail, I was. I absolutely was. And I would want to be near to the food table so that if people were distracted, I could grab whatever it is and not make a big thing of it. I didn't want to miss out on anything. And I would spend the majority of a holiday or a party eating or thinking about eating. I felt like there aren't brownies and cookies and cracker trays just a few inches away every day. My primary focus of the event or the holiday or the occasion was the food. That was at the expense of a few things. Obviously, it was at the expense of connecting with people because I was always trying to find ways to be alone with the food. And it was also at the expense of feeling my best because I might go in feeling good. But then as the event went on, the vacation, the holiday, whatever it was, I'd feel more and more uncomfortable, more and more stuffed and just I don't feel good. I need to sleep this off. And then why did I go so far? It wasn't that every single bite of the food was amazing. It was just that I was in that tunnel vision place of more. Coming from the perspective of there's not enough. I don't want to miss out. How can I get more? How can I get it out of my system? Because once it's over, I'm back on. But that wasn't ever the way that it really happened. The more I reinforced that pattern of behavior the more likely I was to turn to those excuses on a random Wednesday. Well, yeah, I guess it's cool to go to the grocery store and get some ice cream and some candy. I'll get it out of my system and then the next day I'll be great. The more I turned to that story, to that excuse, the more likely I was to turn to it on any other day or time. Now, As I prepare for anything, whether it's the trip to Punta Cana or my grandmother's birthday or a dinner out, I'm deliberately looking to answer the question, what would make it amazing? What would make it amazing? I also, and I'll get to this in a minute, I also want to know what would make it not amazing because sometimes it's easy to focus on the things we want to do and the day starts out strong and we wake up early and we do some reading and we go for a walk and we get in a workout, but then the rest of the day, since we sort of checked those boxes, is a train wreck. So I want to consider both sides of that. Using Punta Cana as an example, what would make it amazing? Rest and no stress not being stressed in my responses, not being stressed in the flow of my day, not being stressed in my communication with other people, rest, relaxation, doing things that are fun that I couldn't necessarily do at home in Massachusetts, creating fun experiences. But the other part of what would make it amazing is avoiding that tired, full, I don't want to move, I don't want to wear a bathing suit, I just want to lay in bed because I'm full or I'm hungover or I'm both. Part of what would make it amazing is avoiding that feeling. 
It was really surprising to me when I started to ask these questions very intentionally that not overeating was more desirable to me in an event than overeating. I used to think like, I just I just want to eat. Like if I'm going to go to this special restaurant, I just want to get as much as I can and then tomorrow I'll be good. And in my mind, that was a big part of the pleasure. But the closer I began to look at it, every single time I said, what would make this a really great thing? Not overeating was part of my answer because of how it makes me feel physically and emotionally. Overeating used to be what I would look forward to most, like, oh, I want to get all this good stuff. But in hindsight, I always felt so bad afterwards that a huge part of my answer every single time I ask what would make this amazing is avoiding that very feeling. But I had never questioned it before. I had never asked myself, what would make this day amazing? What would make this vacation a total win from soup to nuts? And I never realized that avoiding that overstuffed feeling, don't touch me, don't talk to me, get away from me, was a huge part of how I enjoy events. And that creating that stuffed, ugh, don't touch me, don't talk to me, don't ask me to do anything, was a huge part of what made events unpleasant, not pleasant So avoiding overeating is not a sacrifice. It's not a discipline. It's actually something that helps me enjoy things more. When I have those thoughts of, oh, it's my grandmother's birthday, eat the cake, I'll be better tomorrow when these temptations aren't around, I'm able to be honest with myself instead of accepting the easy, familiar excuse and say, all right, Is the cake the thing you want? Because part of feeling really great is not overdoing it. So what does overdoing it look like? What does not overdoing it look like? What would make it a total win? What are those choices? When I'm thinking about, oh, that looks good. I don't have that very often. Is it going to create this being the best experience? Or is this something that is likely to contribute to that feeling of, ugh, And I have to be careful about those cumulative choices because if I decide to have the birthday cake, cool. But that feeling I'm trying to avoid doesn't come from I had a couple bites of cake, but I had a piece of cake and a brownie and chocolate and mashed potatoes and bread and three drinks. So I'm asking, is this going to contribute to me feeling awesome? Is this going to contribute to me feeling crappy? Where's the line? And is it possible to hit those marks of both pleasure and happiness with this choice? What does that look like? What does that look like? Where is that intersection? Just the other day at my grandmother's party, it was the truffle. They were in these little the, these little boxes. They were really pretty. They had liquor in them. And I wanted to try it, right? And it was good, but it wasn't amazing. So I was telling myself, like, okay, it wasn't the best chocolate I've ever put in my mouth. So one is good. I'm good with that. And then for the rest of the things, the margaritas, the brownie cake, etc., that for me would have been pushing towards the side of, ugh, I don't feel good. I just want to lay down. I want to go to sleep. Don't ask me to do anything. I feel uncomfortable. I'm always evaluating those things. But what is it for you? It is likely to be different for you. And event by event, it's likely to be different for you. What is that tipping point between pleasure and happiness or pleasure and displeasure, happiness and unhappiness? And don't just think about it right now while you can hear my voice. Ask and answer the questions. Be intentional. Don't just acknowledge how you want to feel but also how you don't want to feel and what choices create those feelings for you. 
going back to that question, what would make me feel my best and what would make me have a great day, a great vacation, a great holiday? When I say avoiding that gross, heavy, blah, tired, disappointed, lacking confidence feeling, then I'm saying to myself, what choices create that? And I'm looking to get very specific. One of the conversations we had at Ascend this past weekend was taking the perspective that this is totally new, that this is brand new. You're a beginner. You've never done this before. You've never thought this way before. So you make no assumptions. The reason I'm bringing this up right now is because when I say something like that, yeah, I don't want to have that gross, blah, heavy, I feel tired, don't touch me, don't talk to me feeling, when we're not seeing it as a beginner, we're like, yeah, 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 let's avoid that. But when we choose to see that as a beginner, we say, well, what what creates that feeling? How do I create that feeling? What are the kinds of choices that make me feel that way? And what are the kinds of choices that keep me from feeling that way? When we have the eyes of the beginner, we are able to define it in a way that is very helpful and instructive as opposed to just, yeah, I don't want to overdo it, which we've said to ourselves a million times, but is a different level of understanding, a different level of practice, a different level of execution than saying, well, if I want to avoid that feeling, what are the choices that create it? And what are the choices that help me avoid it? And what will that look like in this situation? What is it for you? What is it for you that creates that feeling? For me, having too many carbs early in the day. Then I'm just out of the gate tired, out of the gate not as positive or as happy. That influences my choices. So in terms of the choices that help me to avoid feeling crappy And or the flip way of seeing that is the choices that make me feel crappy, having carbs early in the day. No bueno. Whether that's a mimosa or a plate of pancakes or hash browns sets me up for moving towards that kind of feeling, but also moving towards those blah kind of choices. Another thing that sets me up to feel that way I don't want to feel is having too many or too much of special treats. So it's not that having one truffle is the problem. I don't feel bad about that at all. But if one turns into four, or if I try that, but then I also try the potatoes and I also try the pie and I also have a drink, too much, either in in type, in variety, or in size servings, makes me feel awful. And then the other thing is just too much alcohol. More than a couple of drinks sets me up to feel crappy, not motivated, not as likely to engage with the people around me because it makes me personally kind of tired. And it also sets me up to be like, ah, screw it. Who cares? I've blown the day. So those are the kinds of things for me personally that I want to avoid. So now I've defined the choices that make me feel crappy. Alternatively, I want to look at the choices that make me feel energized and light and more mood stable and more confident. One is working out. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, I feel better when I've gotten in a workout. The other is not overeating, not just eating food because it's there or turning to food when I don't really need it because on these holidays and on these vacations, we tend to have more snacks out. Turning to food as an activity does not make me feel good. So the choices that make me feel energized and light, eating when I really need it, when I'm really hungry, right? And also minimizing alcohol. There tends to be a lot of overlap between what makes me feel crappy and what makes me feel great. They often are just the flip of each other. 
but I find it very helpful to identify both. And then there's the non-food factors, right? I mentioned working out, but whether it's a holiday or it's a vacation, what is going to help me create an awesome day, a positive experience, making time to sleep in, doing something that will be fun that I can't necessarily do by myself or when I'm at home, making time to relax. And a huge key that I continue to work on is reducing variability, having less deviation, creating more consistency in my days. So the way I eat on a Tuesday when I'm at home in my normal routine is really not that different at all from a Saturday in Punta Cana or a Sunday celebrating my grandmother's birthday. I strive to create consistency on weekends, on holidays, on vacations. Less deviation. There aren't these clean eating days and these total train wreck days. How do I reduce the deviation, have fewer wild swings? Just like Mark Sisson said in episode 388, he said, when I'm keto, I'm barely keto, and when I'm not, I'm barely not. I try to practice this. When I'm eating clean and when I'm not eating clean, there's not much variation. When I'm home and when I'm away, there's not much variation. So then I ask, okay, well, what will I not deviate with? There's going to be plenty of opportunity from a schedule perspective, from a food perspective to deviate. I'm not going to deviate on my workouts. I'm not going to deviate on sleep. I'm not going to deviate on journaling or paying attention to hunger. Those things for me. Then I ask, what's really worth indulging in? For example, in Punta Cana, I'm sure there will be some tropical food served at breakfast, I don't eat fruit at breakfast. On vacation, is it worth it for me to go for the fruit because it's there? No. For me, that's an easy one. Of all the ways I'm going to deviate from my standard norm, that is not one that is worth it for me. If I'm going to deviate, it's not going to be with oatmeal or pancakes at breakfast. It's not going to be with home fries. It's not going to be with pasta. Personally, I think pasta is a carrier for all of the other amazing flavors, cream sauces, tomato sauces, proteins, fats, etc. So I don't think pasta itself is all that amazing. I think it's what it goes with. Like I would never eat a bowl of dry, plain macaroni, for example. Now, you might, and that's totally fine. But it's finding that individuality of like what's really worth it and what's not. If I'm going to deviate from my normal, where is it worth it? Not in sugary coffee drinks, not in ordering a drink at dinner just to drink at dinner. I'm going to order a drink if I'm like, that sounds amazing. I want to try that. Not just because everybody's ordering a drink at dinner. And then I'm going to define for myself, how can I experience pleasure and happiness? What are the things that are going to be so pleasurable for me to deviate with, but not go so far that I surrender happiness in the process? So that might be I decide that there's a treat that's really, really worth it. But to not go too far on eroding happiness, I'm going to taste it or I'm going to share it or that's going to be my only indulgence of the day. I'm not going to go to town on it. I'm not going to have multiple indulgences each day. I'm not going to have more than a couple of drinks. One is probably my sweet spot and that should be probably a little bit different person to person. But that helps me figure out how do I reduce this deviation. 
Let's talk for a second about workouts while you're traveling or on vacation because so many times we say either we're working out and we're hitting it hard and there's a gym and a fitness center or a full workout or we're off, right? It's no different than with food. Either we're eating whatever we want whenever we want it or we're not at all. We're on the, you know, strict fat loss protocol. But with working out and with nutrition, there's a million different shades of gray. It's not either you give your body a break or you keep hitting it hard. There are a hundred million ways to make movement and exercise a part of your vacation to really help you reduce the deviation from your norm. You could just simply start every day with a walk. With no equipment at all, let's assume that there's no fitness center, there's no gym, you didn't bring anything find a flight of stairs and just go up and down the stairs. You could do this for a duration, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or you could say, I'm going to go up as fast as I can for 30 seconds, and then I'm going to recover for a minute, and then I'm going to do it again. You could do sprints up and down the stairs a certain number of times, 10 sprints of five flights, recover while you need to, go again. You could, without any equipment at all. Just do body weight stuff to start the day. Lunges, squats, push-ups, burpees, jumping jacks, running. You could say, I'm just going to move my body for five minutes. And for the duration of five minutes, you do a random squat, a lunge, a sit-up, a push-up, a jumping jack until five minutes has gone up. There doesn't need to be structure. There doesn't have to be all this organization. You're just moving. Or you could pick a random number, say 150. I'm going to do 150 bodyweight movement reps made up of whatever I want. I do two burpees and I realize burpees suck. So then I go to push-ups and then I realize my arms are tired. So then I go to squats. And when my legs get tired, I go to jumping jacks for a total of 150 reps. Totally made up number. Do whatever you want. Or you could name five bodyweight movements and you could do 50 of each or 20 of each or 100 of each, whatever you want. You could bring a small amount of equipment with you. If I'm traveling by car, I almost always bring a kettlebell because I can do swings. I can do squats. I can do rows. There's so many things you could do with a kettlebell. I'm traveling by plane to Punta Cana, obviously, so I'm bringing a jump rope. And even if I just jump rope, that's an amazing workout. If I mix up jumping rope with doing push-ups or pull-ups, fantastic. If there's a fitness center in your hotel, awesome. If there's not, get a day pass at a new-to-you gym or fitness center. Try something you haven't tried before. Or incorporate movement as an activity like skiing, hiking, kayaking, paddleboarding. Be intentional about that. Explore on foot instead of getting an Uber or driving a car. A lot of people want to know about how to make food choices when you're not in control of what is around you. And I will tell you number one is, number one, number one, number one, don't eat when you're not hungry. Don't eat when you're not hungry, whether it's Christmas, whether it's Thanksgiving, the food's not going anywhere. Don't eat when you're not hungry. So many times we sit down to a holiday meal, but we've been picking and snacking all day long. We're not hungry for our meal. So Tell yourself you can go back to the snack table, to the appetizer table after dinner if you're really hungry, or you can pick a couple of things when you're starving so that you take the edge off, but you're not full when you sit down to dinner. And the same thing is true on vacation. Rule number one is don't just eat to eat. Eat when your body really needs fuel. Now, I am bringing with me, probably, coconut butter packets, artisana, those travel packets, But one thing I try to do when I'm traveling is not bring too much. Sometimes we bring so many snacks, 
But then we just end up overeating because we're snacking more than we normally would when realistically, stay busy enough that you're eating your meals and you're really hungry when you get to them and you're not constantly turning to a handful of nuts or some jerky or this or that or the other thing or the tortilla chips or a piece of fruit. Eat at your meals. It's okay to be hungry. Eat when you're hungry because one of the biggest challenges we have with holidays and special occasions is that we're eating when we're not hungry and we're even overeating when we're not hungry. So the coconut butter for me uh, is something that I can put into my coffee. It's also something if I'm kind of hungry in the morning but I don't want to do a big breakfast, then I can have that. So that is something that I also will have when I'm traveling so I don't have to worry about airport meals or eating in the car. I'll just have one of those artisanal coconut butter packets. I'll link to them over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. I get mine from Thrive Market. Uh, I want to talk more about the food thing, and then I will specifically share with you my plan for keeping as much habit and routine on vacation as possible. You could bring snacks with you. I'm not. Um, But as far as ordering or being in an all-inclusive resort, bacon and eggs and omelets are always an option. Salads with protein are always an option. Burgers without the bun are always an option. Fish blackened or grilled or baked or broiled is always an option. Mexican food is always easy for fat loss friendly without the chips or the tortillas or the rice or the beans sticking to meat and veggies and guac. You can order a steak with a side of veggies almost anywhere. It's always possible. But avoid the random snacking so that when you do eat, you are hungry. Your body does need fuel. I'll take a personal turn here and get very specific about my vacation plan. This will be the plan in Punta Cana, but also when I'm on a vacation a few months from now, uh, let's see, in December sometime. Number one, I'll continue to get up early, though probably not quite as early because rest is part of that pleasure happiness mix for me. So I'll probably continue to get up around 5 a.m. My morning routine will stay the same. I am trying to reduce deviation, black coffee, work, then a workout. I will either have a fat loss friendly breakfast. I talk about that in Q&A six of the podcast. I'll either have a fat loss friendly breakfast or I'll fast in the morning. The deciding factor will be very simple. Am I hungry? If I'm hungry, I'll do bacon and eggs or an omelet or something like that, a packet of coconut butter. If I'm not, I'll fast. In addition to my workout, I will plan for some movement in the day as simple as a walk on the beach or kayaking, paddleboarding, something outdoors. I won't eat to eat. I won't snack because there's food there. I'll make sure I'm hungry first. I will be intentional about my journaling. What will make me feel best? What won't? What's going to make me feel crappy? Making sure I avoid those choices. And I will strive to be more consistent than I am inconsistent. There will be more habits and choices that look like my norm than there will be habits and choices that don't look like my norm. That is the key for me and something I continue to practice. And this is not so I can lose weight while I'm away. It's so I can feel my very, very best. So I did order the Artisanic Coconut Butter Packets because there'll be long travel days on the way there and on the way back. That is cheaper and also more fat loss friendly than trying to do the airport food thing or going to town on snacking on all sorts of nuts, though I do really love the uh, Thrive brand macadamia nuts. 
but I'm not bringing a whole bunch of other stuff. If you have yet to try the Artisanic Coconut Butter, you can pick up those travel packets. Thrivemarket.com forward slash Primal Potential allows you to save an additional 25% on your first order and get free shipping on that order along with a free 30-day membership. But the goal is reducing variability. How can I make choices that look more like how I want to choose day to day? And how can I minimize choices that are the exception or the strong deviation? Talk to you guys soon. Follow me at Elizabeth Benton on Instagram. I will be sharing lots from my vacation, my travel, my food choices, what workouts I do while I'm away. So on my story, so not on the actual at Elizabeth Benton Instagram account. But when you follow me at Elizabeth Benton on Instagram, you'll see these little circles up at the top. When you click the circle that has my picture and name, that is a story. Those are up there only for 24 hours. And that's where I share some more personal stuff like my daily workouts, like my daily food choices, all of that. And I will also continue the daily blog Monday through Friday while I'm away over on primalpotential.com. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.